Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor some of my favorite conversations have happened over the rims of mugs i'm denise harper co-host of the morning show with bill and denise and program director for the bridge there's something special about sitting across the table from a friend whether we've known them forever or for just a minute with a good cup of coffee and an open heart and hopefully today's conversation will inspire and encourage you Mental health struggles and mental illness have touched almost all of us. And at one point or another, we've all struggled or we know someone who has. And my guest today is someone who has been there and experienced it. Melissa Legates. I met you earlier this year, Melissa, when you were interning here at the bridge. Yes, it was a wonderful experience. Well, we loved having you here. And I know that part of what you were doing, working with our video department, working on some of those things. And so I had no idea what your background was. And one day we just struck up a conversation and you shared with me that you had been in the military, served in the military. Thank you for your service. Thank you. And two tours in Iraq. Yes, two tours in Iraq. So I I said, Let, let's chat about this, if you wouldn't mind sharing your story because I think that your story will help others in their story. Thank you. And so, Melissa, I wondered if you would. I mean, I don't know where you want to begin. If you want to start with you were um, joining the military, what what does what made you decide to join the military? Um, I joke around with my mother that she pushed me into it, but I, um, I also admired Wonder Woman back in the day. She was oh, in the yeah. Navy. I joined the Air Force, though. Um. Yeah. And uh, I just saw um, women in the military doing really great things. And I got to do a lot of amazing things while I, I was in the military. I was, I'm a retired um, public affairs specialist and journalist. So I got to go all over the world mm. and interview airmen about their jobs and what they did for the country. So it was an amazing opportunity. You met some really fascinating people, I'm sure. Um, yes, I did. And uh, just the average American joining the military is fascinating to me, why they do it, why they leave their family, and um, why they serve their country. I, I never got tired of it. Mm. How many years did you serve? I served for 20 years in the Air Force. Wow. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Over the Rims of Mugs, made possible by Iconic Sparkle. Get fun and fashionable accessories such as necklaces, earrings, and bracelets that can go with any outfit for any occasion for just $5. Owner Mandy Heinz desires to change the world through her accessories and what it allows her to offer. Fashion accessory advice, boosting confidence, and training those who want to start their own business. Learn more at IconicSparkle.com or on their app. All right, so you found yourself in Iraq, serving in Iraq on the first tour. 
I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody signs up in the military to go to war, a <laughs> war zone. So um, what what was it like being a female in combat? Um, That's a good question. I never considered myself any different than a male in combat. I'm not saying that to be tongue-in-cheek, but um, I feel like we all pulled the same weight. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, I am used to being one of the only females in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you do have to represent yourself and carry your weight in a positive manner. So I just loved serving. So, um, but it it wasn't always like that. I went in the military to get my college degree and travel. So I can't say I was a patriot at the time when I joined, <laughs> but I was a patriot at the time when I retired. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So you you did get to travel some. Where are some of the places that you served? I really loved Turkey. Okay, I was stationed there twice. I was stationed in England and in Germany. I was stationed in California, New Mexico, and Wyoming. And, of course, I retired out of Dover Air Force Base. And we're so glad you did <laughs> because you decided to stay. <laughs> yes, I decided to stay. I'm from Pennsylvania originally, and I've always loved the, mm. um, the ocean and Rehoboth and Ocean City area. Wonderful. Was the struggle with your mental health, was that something that you dealt with all of your life? It has been. Um, I grew up in a dysfunctional family. Um, my father was an alcoholic. He's actually a recovered alcoholic. God did it for him. Mm -hmm. And um, he uh, recovered for about 10 years of his life, um, mm. not having to deal with alcohol. So that was mm. a, an amazing thing. But it did bring up a trying um, childhood for me that bled into my adult life. Mm. And actually, even though I was in Iraq twice, uh, I never got diagnosed with PTSD. The VA diagnosed me with um, depression of family of origin. That goes to show you how much your upbringing can bleed into your adult life and how you really need to um, address those issues head on. Yeah, that sometimes... Some things can be triggers, but they actually aren't what brought about the actual thing that you're dealing with. Is right. What you're saying. Yeah. So in this process over your life so far, when did you come to know Christ? Was he part of your growing up years? Did you discover him while you were serving in the military? Actually, I was rebellious in coming to Christ. When I was younger, I read the Bible for a little bit, and I read in the um, Old Testament slavery and how women were treated, and I was totally turned off mm. on the Bible, and I closed it until I was in my 30s. And I was a spirit seeker. I was always looking towards other religions to see if they could help calm my spirit. Um but when I was in Iraq uh, the first time, I visited the ziggurat of Ur, which is where Abram left um, and became Abraham in the Bible and fathered yeah. three nations. I actually stood on top of the ziggurat of Ur. I still was not a Christian. Um, I was walking in a space and time where another great Christian walked and, and started the faith, mm -hmm. but... I still had no urge to commit myself to a Christian life, which at the time I felt was 
boring. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd only you'd only read part of the Old Testament when you were yes, first. Yes, I had only read part of the Old Testament and yeah. not the New Testament. Yeah. When I came back, uh, sadly, I would look at telephone poles and wish for my life to be over. Mm. I I had suicidal ideation. And I heard a small audible voice from the Holy Spirit telling me, get your butt on a pew or you will die. And that was the exact statement, really? get your butt on a pew or you will die. Mm. Um, and I knew that could be at my own hand. And uh, luckily, I had enough strength in me to uh, get my butt on a pew. And I started my Christian faith. And I met a lot of great people who were key into into my recovery, and I became um, a Christian on January 10, 2006. That was in between my two tours. I had another tour in Iraq. I was still depressed, and I used to sit on a bed and just sit there and stare until I had to go back and get up to go to work the next Monday. Um, I would pretty much sit there all weekend like that unless I was eating or doing something lost a lot of weight during these times of depression. Mm. And I knew that that wasn't healthy. So I eventually went back into the mental health system at Dover Air Force Base and was helped greatly by some of the professionals there. Then I went back to Iraq the second time, and that's when they were strapping bombs to children. Mm. I mean, they were doing that. They were strapping bombs to children. And um, my soul just broke. And I, I talk about it in the book. I think a lot of military people, they can take all the medicine in the world. They can exercise um, for two hours straight every day. But when your soul is broken, the only mm-hmm. thing that is going to give you relief is Christ. It's said, by his stripes we are healed, by Isaiah 53, 5, and that rung true for me. The only thing that that gave me rest was resting in Christ. Mm. I can't imagine the sights that you saw. I mean, probably feeling like you had made progress in your life. And then, I mean, that's an overload of things that we honestly, God never meant for us to have to endure. No. Those things. Um, luckily, I never saw battle. Uh, I do know several airmen in my curfew that that experienced battle firsthand. I never experienced battle firsthand. So for a long time, I didn't feel I had the right to be depressed because I hadn't seen war inside the war zone. But it's just the fear of being there when I went on a, a mission trip for uh, a clinic we got there and we got back and we were safe. But the next day a soldier was picked off and, and lost his mm. life on the same exact route that we took. Mm. So there's always fear, no matter if you actually saw wartime or not. Fear plays a part in the cycle, I'm sure, of going through depression and mental illness. Yes, it would does. You so when you retired from the military and you you went to college then is that right I did go to college I used my GI bill and went to college and was very proud to do that 
the day after I graduate, I sunk and didn't expect it because I was supposed to be happy. Mm -hmm. Um, What a big accomplishment. It was a huge accomplishment and I loved every moment of it. So Um, then what, what made you sad? uh, Part of my personal struggles has been with infertility and I talk about it, that in the book, that's not every soldier's personal struggles, but, um, and I was getting up in age and I still have, um, yet or never to be blessed with children. And that added another about 10 years of, um, pain and heartache onto my depression. Mm -hmm. I think I was ready to be done with depression. And I do believe that we are healed by his stripes, but, um, infertility probably was the biggest battle that I ever faced. You said something earlier about your graduation, you'd achieved something momentous and the next, the very next day you felt like you had just sunk. And I was reminded of how, you know, in John 10, it says that the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is his mission. And it seems like uh, nothing could be more traumatic than something, the biggest thing we've ever experienced that hurt us. But it's not always the really big things. It's it's all the things, all the things bottled up together. Yes, and it was. Everything in my life came to a, a point And another thing that isn't talked about much and I would love to attack someday is we do get training on how to transition out of the forces into the civilian life, but it's not quite enough. Mm. And a lot of people are left going from a job where they had a lot of responsibility and a prestigious job to going into the workforce and their skills don't transfer over into civilian speak. They become one of the masses. They become one of the masses Mm -hmm. and we're not used to that. And so I was caught up in that cycle where I knew where I was able to perform and could perform but getting that job wasn't happening. Mm. And God just kept on telling me, you need to do it yourself, which isn't an answer I like. <laughs> um, mm. I wanted to work for a Christian organization that didn't happen. And he finally just said, you need to write this book yourself. You need to tell your story mm. yourself. And I will be there for you. And... um create your own platform instead of linking on to um, an already established platform. Mm. And that was something took me a long time to hear because I'm used to being under somebody subordinate to a higher power. Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time to write this book and I'm proud of it. I've been reading it. Thank you. And I, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying, it's kind of weird to say that because (laughs) it's a tough topic and you share some very, very, very vulnerable things that you've experienced in your lifetime. But I love that woven into your story is so much hope. Thank you. And you write it from the um, vantage point of wanting, 
that you have gotten healing, that you have hope in Jesus. Yes. And that you want others to do the same. I do. Have the same. And so the book, I want to say before we go any further, it's called Defeating Suicide. And your byline is how one Iraqi vet healed herself through love, therapy, and the Bible. Yes. It's coming out this fall. Yes. And we will put information in the show notes for you so that you'll be able to find where you can get that soon. But in the meantime, is there a particular list of symptoms or what can we recognize as, okay, maybe, maybe I need to get some help because there's a myth about mental illness or mental health. And I don't know why, because if we twist our ankle and we're Mm -hmm. in pain, we go to a physician to be healed, to get healing, to get something done to be healed. If there's something that's broken in us, in our heart, in our head, you know, mentally that there's this stigma about getting help that there shouldn't be. There is. And I've never understood it either. And I've put that stigma on myself, sadly. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it took me longer to get the healing than necessary. Um, I mean, I truly believe by his stripes, we have our healing, Mm -hmm. but it took me 40 some years to walk that out. And I'm praying Mm -hmm. it doesn't take others as long when they um, read the book. But for me, it was, I was having heart palpitations and um, like a minor anxiety attack. And I never had that before in my life. Mm. So when I came back from Iraq um, the first time and I was sitting at my desk and I couldn't think brain fog is another one. I knew Mm. that I had to get help and I had already thought I had been helped enough. At a certain point in time, you get tired of going to therapy and rehashing the the same thing. At that time, I wasn't a Christian, so I didn't have the Bible at hand to help me. And now I'm glad to say that I go to God first. Um, I will physically, you know, think about going and saying to God, you know, I'm having trouble with this. What do you want me to do about it? Before I ever go to a therapist, mm-hmm. I would I would go to God first and go to scripture that you can read his healing that's put down in the words for you. I did not have that when I was in Iraq and I'm so glad I have that now mm-hmm. that through Christ, you can have a personal relationship through your Savior. There's no better medicine mm-hmm. than that. Amen. And it's something that we often overlook and, and don't do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment for you that it just an aha moment or was it just a gradual healing? Was there an for aha moment? For me, it moment? was gradual. I didn't really have an aha moment. No. It would be nice to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it, though? (laughs) Yeah, but it took a lot longer for me. But at the same time, I believe God uses everything for our good, and I am writing a book to help others. So I think I probably had a longer duration of time so I could go through more things so I could help other people. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman and when she receives healing through her time with 
Christ. I mean, and there's so many levels of so many layers of that, that we could talk for a long time about all that happened in that short period of time. But when she left there, her first response was come and see, come and see the man who knew all that there was to know about me and healed me and loved me. And I thought, uh, I love that story because it's our story. I mean, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, of of his grace, but not short from his grace in that Jesus, um, Jesus gave his all so that we could be restored with the father. And I love that he just, he just wipes our slate clean and then he wants to remain there and keep healing us and keep doing the work along with us. Amen. And so I, I love that. Come and see. And it, it might take um, a month or it could take 40 years, but healing is still there and available. And I want people to know that they don't have to live a life shackled to depression, PTSD, mm-hmm. or any of the other mental illnesses that they classify you can be healed. And that's not something that you often hear in the psychiatric community. They, they will pretty much tell you that this is probably going to be a lifelong situation for you. Mm. I disagree totally. Mm. That's good. That's good news. That is very good news. So what would you say to the person who's listening right now who is struggling with mental illness and needs healing? I would say first look to God and read your Bible. That's often hard to do. <laughs> Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. And know that you are worthy of being healed and and keep pursuing it until you become an overcomer in Christ. Would you recommend getting help from a professional? I do recommend getting help. I, I had a lot of professionals that poured into me. My only concern is that uh, sometimes secular professionals will tell you things that are contrary to the Bible. Like, for instance, I, I was told all the time, why does it bother you that if you're a person with depression? And I would say, because there's a difference between someone who's a depressive person and someone who has depression, because if you have depression, you can get rid of it. So word semantics meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. And over and over again, they would, the professionals would say, you just need to learn to live with it. Where Christ doesn't mm. tell you you have to live with illness. Amen. He tells you he came to defeat it. Yeah. And you can have that healing. It's available to you. You just have to um, figure it out. And my book has a lot of common sense methods in there to help you figure that out as well. So what would you say to the person who knows someone, loves someone who is struggling right now? First, buy my book. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, Second, uh, don't give up on them. Be there for them. If that means um, don't just call them up and say, you know, I'm I'm worried about you. Go visit them. Take them a pizza. Mm. Sit beside them. Even if you say nothing, that person will still recognize the fact that you're there in their corner and you're fighting for them. I think the power of presence is 
something that we overlook. And a lot of times, if you just take them out, go for a walk, you don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, You just need to spend your time. Would you say not a one and done, but to keep consistently showing up? Definitely keep consistently showing up because if you have suicidal ideation, that can sometimes take months to work through and you need to let them know that you're there for them at any time of day, that they can call you and get some help. That you're not alone. That they're not alone. Melissa, anything that we didn't tackle that you want to chat about? Well, one thing I wanted to talk about, sometimes in the therapeutic world, people with depression are treated as victims of their biology or their environment. And I want to say that you can go from being a victim to a survivor of suicidal ideation, and then your last stop would be becoming an overcomer in Christ, that that you don't want to stop at just surviving the situation. Christ wants you to thrive in your life, and he gives you the tools to do that through the Holy Bible. Say it again, because that was a lot that was a lot to take in, but that's, that's, I think, a key. That's a very right. important key to healing. Okay. I talk about in my book how um, sometimes in modern therapy, people who have mental illness are considered a victim of their environment or their biology. And if you're a lover of Christ, you can go from becoming a victim to a survivor to an overcomer in Christ because Christ wants us to thrive in our life. He doesn't want us to just exist. He wants us to thrive and live our lives to the fullest. Yes, I love that. And that goes back to that John 10 that I talked about earlier because the second half of that verse is the beautiful part of of it all because if we stop just at that the that the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy that's that's very depressing yes but the good news is that jesus came that we could have life and i love that john didn't stop there he said life more abundant yes and that's exactly what you're talking about yes i don't call myself a survivor i call myself an overcomer in christ you want to go take it even further to the overcoming yes and that you can say, not just I am overcoming, but I overcame. Yeah, I overcame. Mm-hmm. I don't consider myself a depressed person anymore. I consider myself an overcomer in Christ. Amen. That's Melissa Legates. Defeating Suicide is the name of her book, How One Iraqi Vet Healed Herself Through Love, Therapy, and the Bible. Melissa, thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. We were never meant to journey alone. Whether you're having a great day or a hard one, we need each other to celebrate and to stand in the gap. Sharing our stories helps remind us that we are not alone. And when we sit with women who sit at the feet of Jesus, the conversations are different. We walk away feeling inspired, not inferior, because we know this Christian walk is a race, but not a competition. I'm your host, Denise Harper, encouraging you to catch up with a friend or make a new one and enjoy some good conversation over the rims of mugs.